Yeah, that's right. I'm puking right out of the gate. I'm puking because that's we're going to talk about puking today, but not just any old puking, uh, puking in outer space. Yeah. Bet you didn't see that one coming there, Mr. Spock. We're going to be talking about space puking. Um, I made my first trip to NASCAR. We're get, we're going to get into that. I was uh, I was all over the NASCAR track. Had never been to NASCAR, and uh, I'm going to give you my uh, my reviews. I got uh, I got all kinds of reviews coming in. Uh, good, bad, ugly, favorable, unfavorable, all kinds of stuff. Um. And then, uh, you know, we have a guest coming on the show who hasn't uh, been around for a while. Um, and uh, he's back. He's back. He's a guy I have to do uh, therapy with. Yes, Dr. Ascot is here to uh, put me through one of his insane therapy sessions. Who knows? I've actually been feeling kind of good lately. Maybe, maybe I'm finally coming to terms with having Dr. Ascot around. Um, who knows? Maybe his methods have worked on me. I don't know. Does anything really work right here on the Harland Highway? Welcome to the Harland Highway. All right, let's get this sucker going, huh? You're causing a major disturbance on my time. It's the Harland Highway. What's up, brah? If I'm here and you're here, doesn't that make it our time? I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. Am I hallucinating here? Just what in the hell do you think you're doing? You just made a wrong turn onto the Harland Highway. This is your fucking wake-up call, man. You're riding down the Harland Highway with Harland Williams. In 30 seconds, you'll be dead. I'll blow this place up and be home in time for cornflakes. Kaboom! What an explosion. And uh, here's, here's uh, oh boy, talk about explosions. Uh, guess what, gang? Yours truly uh, finally went to his first NASCAR race. Okay? NASCAR. I don't know what NAS means. I know what car means. I have no idea what a NAS is, but put them together and you got NASCAR. Is it National Automobile Car? Car? National Advanced Careening Car? I don't know. I just don't know, but I went. And these sounds you hear behind me, I recorded these at at the actual uh, race I was at. I was at the STP 400 or 500, I can't remember. I think it was the 400. And when I say 400, I think it means 400 miles. And excuse my ignorance, because I'm not, I'm not seasoned in the NASCAR car race world. Uh, to be honest, I, I I've always thought it was a bit goofy and a bit stupid. <laughs> and there's probably people listening going, "Oh, dude." Dude, watch it, dude. Whoa, 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 whoa. Step back. Take a step back, dude. Do not call my NASCAR stupid. Just gear it down, dude. I said I thought it was kind of stupid. Okay? 
Um, I mean, think about the premise. You go to a stadium, like a football stadium. You sit up in the bleachers with a hot dog and a drink, and you watch cars go around and around and around and around in a circle. And you know what? I'm going to be honest. Since I was there, I still think it's a little bit stupid. I I can't say that I'd rush out to go do it again. I you know, but here's my assessment of it. On some levels, it was really cool. It was really interesting. It was really fascinating. It's it, I mean, the skill, the the drivers moving at these astronomical speeds, the energy, the sounds, the sights, uh, the danger element. All that is very exciting and, and it's very cool. But at the same time, it all takes place while cars are going around in a circle, you know, like 500 times. And uh, the novelty wears off for me personally. Uh, what, I, what I discovered is, um, and this was no mystery, I kind of knew this from watching uh, NASCAR on TV not watching it, but scanning past it on TV, is I can never figure out who's in the lead and who's uh, behind and uh, what car is what and who's who. And maybe just because I, I don't go enough. I'm sure to the uh, the NASCAR expert, um, you know, it uh, they know every single car and every single number and but even once you know that, it's it's just around and around. Imagine going to a horse race. All right, how many of you are horse race fans? And imagine the horses just kept going around and around and around five hundred times. There they go again. Imagine that that horse race guy. And here comes chocolate Christmas again for the four hundredth time. And can someone give me a drink? Um, so, uh, so, so, you know, it was kind of like very repetitive to me. Now, here's the good part. Here's the part I love. The first five laps. Okay. And this was cool. I had full access. Uh, one of the local DJs in Kansas where I went to the NASCAR uh, he was very generous and very kind and, and got me tickets to this event. And I was able to get tickets for two of my buddies. And we had full access. I mean, we were right down on, in the pit stops. We were literally about uh, probably 15 feet from where the cars pull in and get the tires changed. I mean, we, we, we were there. We went up into the stands. We went into the... the, the the guy who owns NASCAR, the the uh, the general the director or manager, the guy who runs the whole kit and caboodle, we went right up into his private glass booth up up on the up at the top. He was serving booze and food, and I got to meet him. And I'm naive; I don't even remember his name, but he could have been nicer. Then we even got to go up on the roof of the stadium and watch the cars from up there. I mean, we were everywhere, man. We were everywhere. But my favorite part was probably right down beside the cars, watching the cars come in, watch them change the tires, and that wrench thing, that automatic uh, nut remover. That didn't sound right. Um, 
And my favorite part was the first five laps. Because here you are, you're at this track, everything's quiet. You're waiting for the race to start. And all of a sudden, man, those, those, that first, like, these guys step on the gas and start flying. And they whip by you so fast, like 40 cars. They're just whipping by you super fast. And the noise and the energy and your ears aren't used to the sound yet. And it's just like, it's like a, it's like a giant thundercloud rolling over the hill with constant thunder smashing. And uh, it was amazing. That part was amazing. But then, because it's a repetitive repetitive action, eventually it got kind of like, oh, there they go again. Yeah, oh, there they go again. Yeah, there they go again. Yeah, there they go again. And it didn't matter which angle or which vantage point I was at. I, I honestly found myself kind of you know, getting a little bored with it. And if there was ever a spin-out or someone hit a wall or there was a flat tire, that caught my attention. I'd be like, oh, there's some white smoke. Ooh, yay, someone's spinning, yay. And then back to kind of, you um, So there you go. It was cool, but it, I can't say it won me over to want to go all the time. And I know a lot of people go. Um, and oddly enough, this is a weird observation. Um, oddly enough, I I didn't see any brothers at NASCAR. Like it was just like a a pretty much a 99.99% white person affair. I didn't really see that many Asians. I I didn't see, uh, many Latinos. I don't know if it's because I was in the middle of Kansas or, you know, what? Or whether, uh, you know, minorities don't dig uh, the NASCAR. But holy smokes, was it white. I was like, wait a minute. Is this, what, what, where are we? Is this, is this a sporting event? Is, is this a rally? What, what, what's going on? <laughs> but no, it was just good old folks enjoying uh, NASCAR. I guess maybe it's, uh, for whatever reason, it's just uh, something that uh, the Caucasians enjoy more than uh, blacks or Asians or Latinos or East Indians or whatever else is out there. I, I It was kind of odd. It was so blatant it popped out at me. And, again, it could have been just the geography. Maybe if I went to a race in, uh, you know, Los Angeles, it would be uh, more of a mix. I don't know. Um, and then the other observation I had about people at the race is I found that a lot of them were kind of drifting off, like the, the, the hardcore people, like the, the, the fans of racing that were, uh, you know, you could tell were into it. They had like the, 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 the wardrobe and the racing hats and the logos. And I noticed a lot of them just kind of wandering around, sitting in the stands, hanging out, uh, you know, with the snack bar. People up in the fancy booth were busy talking and having drinks, and they weren't really watching. So part of me thought maybe it was just like, hey, it's like a get-together. It's like just an excuse to go out and socialize. So I don't know. I got to say kudos to the racers and all the people involved. Uh, Amazing skills. Amazing precision. Uh... 
great energy, great speed. I enjoyed it. Uh, I don't know that I'm uh, I'm a diehard NASCAR fan after the experience, but I I certainly uh, advise people to at least give it a shot, put it on the bucket list to experience. And uh, if you dig it, you dig it, and if you don't, you don't. But uh, you certainly have to admire the energy and the speed and the precision uh, with which the whole uh, event is done. Now I'm going to go have my own pit stop, and uh, we'll move on. Hello, Arland. Oh, what are you doing here? Arland. No, seriously, what what are you doing here, Ascot? Arland. Ladies and gentlemen, this is my, I guess, my former therapist, Dr. Ascot, who for a long time came in every week, and I had to do on-air therapy because, uh, you know, the powers that be that run the podcast were a little uh, unnerved by me. They thought I was a loose cannon, was going to do or say something ridiculous. That's right, Arland. And so they forced me. It was a mandatory thing. I had to do on-air therapy with Dr. Ascot, but I think uh, it was successful. Arland. Well, I'm saying it. Look, as much as I'll be honest, I didn't like you. I didn't enjoy the sessions. But uh, I think maybe in retrospect, they, they provided uh, some calmness for me. They maybe centered me, maybe made me, uh, you know, be a responsible, respectable uh, podcaster. Oh, and that's wonderful. Well, I, look, I never thought I'd say this, but I guess in a way, I should thank you. You're welcome, Arlen. That's excellent news. Well, it is excellent news, and I... I know that you're, uh, you're, you have to do your mandatory check-ins and see how I'm doing psychologically. And Absolutely, Arland, and how are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm, I think you can hear it in my voice. There's a calmness. There's a, there's a... Describe the calmness to me, Arland. Well, if, for, for lack of a better... Give me a vis- visualization, Arland, of what you feel. Okay, I was getting there. Holland. I, I said I was getting to that. Holland. Okay, and I think I asked you before not to say my name over and over. Holland. Okay, v- visualization. Yes, give us some imagery of the calmness and the relaxation you're feeling. Holland. Don't, please say my name. Don't drag it out like that. Understood, Arland. Uh, okay, uh, go ahead, Arland. Well, I guess uh, you can best describe my calmness as it... It almost feels like, if I could visualize it, that a cloud is like... A, a soft, white, puffy cloud is almost like descended down from the sky and is laying on top of me. It's warm, it's quiet, it's it's peaceful. Interesting, Arland. And did you invite this cloud to lay on top of you? Well, no. It just kind of, you know, floated down from the sky and landed on me. In other words, it wasn't invited to land on you, Arland. No, it wasn't invited. It just, it's a cloud. 
It laid down on top of me. Holland, that's called rape. Excuse me? That's called rape, Holland. What do you mean it's called rape? Something is not allowed to force itself on top of you, Holland. I'm afraid to tell you you've been badly raped. I have not been badly raped. It's a cloud. Holland, when anything forces itself on you, when anything forces its will upon you and lays you down so you're helpless on the ground like a little baby and lays across your body, it's called rape, Holland. It's not called rape. It's a cloud. I mean... The, the, the cloud was all over me. It was it was in front of me. It was behind me. So you're saying you've been raped from behind, Holland? No, I haven't been raped from behind. What's the matter with you? Holland, this is a very dangerous visualization. You've been raped. I haven't been raped. There was, there was a b- bunch of clouds. Sometimes it's a group of clouds. You've been gang-raped, Holland. I haven't been gang-raped! Holland, how many clouds were there? I don't know, a cluster? Maybe 12 or 13? That's called a clusterfuck, Holland. You've been cluster-gang-raped. I haven't been cluster-gang-raped! You're making me upset now, Ascot! Holland, I would be upset too if I'd been raped from behind in a cluster-gang-rape. Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! Get him out of here! I was calm. I was relaxed. I haven't seen this guy in a while. And now you're full of rape rage, Holland. I'm not full of rape rage. I'm upset that you're here. Holland, all this rage, all this raw emotion coming out of you is the result of the psychological anger from the many, many, many cloud rapes you've had. It must hurt to be stretched open by a cumulus. I wasn't stretched open by a cumulus. Roger, get him out. Get out of here, Ascot. Take your yellow socks and your golden corduroys and get the F out of here. F as in fuck, Holland. No, not yes. You've been fucked by a cloud, Holland. You've been cloud fucked. Rape. Let me hear you yell rape, Holland. Rape. Get out! Rape. God, Roger. That is just creepy. What the hell is wrong? I still want to check that guy's credentials. I'm sure that guy must have got his psychology degree at DeVry or online or off the Probably off the back of a box of uh, Apple Jacks or something. What is wrong with that idiot? Cloud rape. You know, I don't like it that he has to come and check in on me still. I was doing really well. I was in a good spot. I think the listeners can attest to that. I was calm. I was relaxed. I don't need that guy anymore. Now now I'm never going to be able to look into the sky again on a nice sunny day and see some playful clouds going by without feeling... What? Yes, without feeling rape. Thank you, Roger. Thanks for chiming in in there. Guy holds up a piece of paper with the word rape written on it. Put Throw that away, idiot. Oh, God. 
And speaking of Dr. Ascot, good Lord, I, I got to give a huge shout out. Um, uh, as I mentioned, I was in Kansas and I went to the NASCAR thing and I was working that weekend at the uh, comedy club, the improv. And I got to tell you, something happened that blew my mind. And uh, I got to give a huge thanks to uh, three of the pavement pounders came out. Uh, and, um, you know, guys that uh, listen to the podcast, fans of the show. And I tell you what, I'm still smiling about this. Okay. This was like the biggest surprise. This, this made me laugh and I can't stop thinking about it. And I want to thank these three gentlemen. Three fans of the podcast showed up to my improv show in character as three of our lovable uh, characters from the podcast. Okay, these three gentlemen, one of them showed up as Cinnamon Boy. Hi, I'm Cinnamon Boy! Which was, like, amazing. And he was dressed like uh, how he perceived Cinnamon Boy to be dressed. And he had a little name tag on his his blazer that said... uh, it had the Harland Highway logo, and then it said, hello, my name is Cinnamon Boy. Okay, so that was number one character. Thank you, sir. And then the next gentleman came as you-know-who, the guy we just heard from, Dr. Ascot. Hello, Holland. And uh, he had the glasses on, and he had the, the creepy clothes, and... Uh, he again. He had that name tag. Uh, Hello, my name is Doctor Ascot. Amazing. And then the third gentleman, the third pavement pounder, showed up, and this guy he fit this uh, this character to a T. He was a he was a larger, huskier guy with kind of a buzz cut and glasses and uh, slightly gray hair. He was a big, burly dude, and he came as my boss, Mister Featherstone. Hey, Holland, you ever fought? On a raccoon? Seriously, you ever fought on a raccoon? (laughs) These guys were doing the voice, the voices of the characters. They were dressed like the characters, and they wouldn't break character. The whole time I was talking to them, they just stayed in character. (laughs) I got to tell you guys that you tickled me to the core, man. It was beautiful. It was totally unexpected. Uh, it was it was amazing. I really, really appreciated your effort, and uh, I really loved it, man. It was just out of this world. <laughs> so thanks again, guys, uh, for coming to uh, my stand-up show in, in character as uh, characters from the Harland Highway podcast. Great stuff. And uh, burned in my memory banks forever. Excellent, Holland. Kind of like the rape. Stop it! Stop with the rape stuff. Let's move on. Speaking of up in the clouds, um, I want you to listen to this clip because it's kind of something we don't think of. But, you know, we've got the space station up there floating in the sky, this $100 billion space station. And... um, and one of the astronauts up there is doing a really cool thing. He's taking, like, phone calls from people on Earth. And uh, one little girl called in and uh, asked him a very kind of interesting question about floating around in zero gravity up in space. Have a listen. Hello, my name is Ashley. I'm 
my name is Ayla. I'm in grade 9, and my question for you is, do astronauts ever get sick or ill aboard the ISS? Ayla, when we first get to space, we feel sick. Your body's really confused, and so... You know, you're dizzy, your, your lunch is floating around in your belly because you're floating, and, and your, your, what you see doesn't match what you feel. So you want to throw up. So how do you throw up if you get sick in space? Um, so here's an astronaut barf bag right here. So let's say you're about to throw up in space. Quick, you get your barf bag open. And now think about what happens on Earth when you throw up. You, uh, you throw up and you have a bag of something horrible, and then you throw it away. But in space, if I throw up in this bag, what am I going to do with it? This bag has to stay with me in space for months. So we want a really good barf bag. So we have one that, uh, that will really protect us. And this one has a, uh, has a liner in it so that when you throw up into it, so that when you throw up into it, you can clean your face off, and then you can push everything inside, and then it comes with its own Ziploc to clean, put inside the Ziploc, and then you can throw it down into the wet trash. So yes, astronauts do occasionally get sick in space, but um, we have special uh, barf bags to deal with it. Oh, man. That's, that's creepy. And I know you uh, couldn't see the footage, uh, but uh, what's really creepy is the barf bag uh, was clear plastic. So not only is your barf floating around with you for six months, you get to see it. You get to see it floating around. Why Why wouldn't they? It's like a clear plastic bag. Why wouldn't you use like a dark, you know, bag that you couldn't see through? You don't want a transparent barf bag, man. They don't even have that on airplanes. Weird. Weird. I wonder if, like, aliens puke. I wonder if E.T. puked. He was like, E.T. fun Elliot. Elliot. E.T. fun Gross. What about those monsters from Aliens? They're up in there on their horseshoe-shaped spaceship. They got like two mouths. They got one mouth that opens, and then another mouth comes out and opens. What are they? I wonder if they double puke. Like I'm going to kill you. Uh, oh, hold on. Uh oh, I feel that breakfast burrito. Hang on. Uh, can I kill you later? Hold on. And then, like two pukes at once. Like a fancy water fountain, man. Space puke. And I guess it's gotta suck if you if you if you if you're like an old guy. I guess that's why they don't send seniors into space, right? With uh, bowel issues, the control problems. Can you imagine floating by that window after seven months? You look in the window. You just see a bunch of humans and a bunch of, like, O. Henry bars floating around. 
It'd be look like it's snowing oh Henry bars. It'd just be like floating all around in there. Sorry, I had another little accident. Uh, that's what I get for eating all those space prunes. Uh, oh, oh, there's another one. Oh, my goodness. Duck, Ralph. Duck. It's coming right for you. Look out. Oh, God, it got him in the forehead. He looks like a chocolate unicorn. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, don't be fooled. Space is a hazardous place, man. Um, and that's a good way to end the show. Safety uh, with a safety tip: do not, uh, do not um, let any of your bodily fluids out in space. Okay. Uh, word to the wise. Word to the wise: no space fluids. Um. So let's see here. Let's do some announcements, and let's motor on. Uh, let's see what's going on here, gang. What what can I tell you about? How about uh, if you're in San Jose, you get your ass out the door. If you're in San Jose, California, and you come and see me tonight at the San Jose Improv. Yes, sir. I'll be at the Improv this weekend, uh, May 9th, Thursday, May 9th, right through to the 12th, Thursday to Sunday. And it's going to be a great show. Going to be doing stand-up comedy and then after the stand-up's over, uh, we're going to be doing some improv. Going to be uh, taking suggestions from the crowd. So it's like a double show, man. So check that out. And then the following week in Denver, Colorado, at the Comedy Works, great club, uh, May 17th and 18th. That's a Friday and a Saturday. Get your tickets in advance. That sucker usually sells out, man. The Denver crowd dig, dig daddy. So we got that going. Um, and then check out harlowilliams.com. Uh, check out our store for your merchandise needs. Uh, you can write me and leave me uh, emails at harlowilliams.com. Or if you want a phone and leave me a voicemail, you may hear yourself on the podcast eventually. 323 739 Four three three zero, and here's something fun. Uh, I'm just releasing a brand new uh, video series. Um, it's called Fushlang. Fushlang, and uh, it's it's really like a crazy stunt show that I do uh, with uh, special guest stars every week. Um, you got to check it out. It is demented. Each episode's only about three, four minutes long, but uh, check out for Schlanged. Uh, I, upda- I, I post them uh, every week, so if you want to be part of it, uh, join my Twitter feed, at Harland Williams. Or uh, if you want, you can uh, jump onto my uh, Facebook page, and uh, you can go to facebook.com backslash official Harland Williams. And uh, Fashlang will be posted there and on my Twitter account and uh, all over the place. So uh, let me know what you think of Fashlang. It's pretty twisted and demented. I'm having a lot of fun doing it. We're going we're gonna to put one up every week. And uh, 
It'll be a blast. See if see if you get can get your fashlang on. Okay. Um, this this first one that we put up is called Pike in the Dike, and uh, we've thrown a giant pike into a dike. It's that simple, folks. So check it out, uh, Fishlang, brand new web series uh, by yours truly, and I think you're going to dig it. And that's it. That's all we got time for. I got to go get my space barf on. Uh, so keep it real in the deal, and uh, until next time, boys and girls, a big bowl of space chicken chow mein, baby. <laughs>